Good morning. I have, I have three kids that are under the age of four, and I, my, my guess is you guys have had a chance to meet them this week or hear them in the back chirping during our sessions. And, and while they are adorable, they're often fearful. And I've seen this particularly as each of my kids has learned to walk. But the interesting thing is, is that all of my kids, they were actually able to stand and actually take quite a few steps long before they consistently thought that they could walk and would do it confidently. And here's kind of how it would go. They would learn how to pull up onto the couch or an ottoman or something, and they'd be playing with a little toy. But they'd be very focused on the toy, and so they'd be like playing with it and doing their thing. And then as they were playing with it, they would just start to like wander away from whatever they were playing with and start walking across the room. And at this point, Kayla and I are like, they're doing it. It's happening. But the thing I want you to see is this, is that they were, they were walking while they were focused on the thing. But then all of a sudden, boom, they drop to the floor and sit down the second they realize and remember to be afraid. Because, because they realize, you know what? This walking thing is actually like kind of scary and I could fall and stuff and that like wouldn't be that fun. And so it's in those moments that, that we as parents have to encourage them. And, and this is how we encourage them. We say, you've already done it. You've already been walking. Just continue in what you've already know how to do. And so Paul this morning with Timothy is going to encourage him in much the same way. We saw him do it on Sunday night as Mark opened our time together. He reminded Timothy of some things that were already true about him. And we're gonna see Paul do that again with Timothy this morning. And when when Mark opened our passage on Sunday, he, he painted a picture for us, the picture of a young pastor who was struggling with false teachers, with people walking away, from the faith, with these lovers of self and, and lovers of pleasure in the last days. And, and Paul encouraged him. He said, Timothy, you're not alone. You're loved and your faith is real. And I'm, I'm sure that was deeply encouraging to Timothy, but since then, in the book of 2 Timothy, we've seen Paul handle a number of very difficult topics with him. He's talked about suffering. He's talked about others that that have been with Paul that walked away from him. And and as we closed out with Mike on on Tuesday night, at the beginning of chapter three, we saw those lovers of self and lovers of pleasure in the last days. And and I don't know about you, but I'm sure Timothy at this point in the book is feeling like not that encouraged. That ministry is still gonna be really hard. And so so Paul this morning is going to give Timothy another shot in the arm and to remind him of things about him that are already true that he should continue in. And and he's gonna show him two particular things along those lines, and you'll see them on page 23. If you're not there, you can turn there. Paul's going to give Timothy a reminder to continue and a path to continue. A reminder to continue and a path to continue. To continue. So let me pray once again for our time and, and then we'll jump in. God, I thank you so much for this week at Focus. 
to give us time in your word, to give us time in, in the book of 2 Timothy. And I thank you for how it has already encouraged and equipped us in gospel ministry. And I pray that this morning our time in the word would be no different. And God, that, that your words would be written deeply on our hearts this morning and that long after this session is over, your words would ring in our hearts and minds and not mine. And we pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. All right, grab your Bibles or your packets. You can flip open to 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 17, and I'm gonna read it for us. It says this, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, and my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is God's word, friends. All right, we're gonna jump into our first point, a reminder to continue and we'll spend most of our time here in this first point this morning. And, and I've got four things I wanna show you that Paul directs Timothy's attention to in this passage. And you can write them down right under point one. Here they are. It'll be a contrast, Paul's focus, Paul's encouragement, and a surprising hope. Let me read those again. A contrast, Paul's focus, Paul's encouragement and a surprising hope. All right, let's start with the contrast. So we've been talking about Paul this week, right? He's the, the author of the letter of 2 Timothy. And, and in verse 10 of the passage, we see Paul, he's contrasting Timothy with the lovers of self and lovers of money above and lovers of pleasure, encouraging Timothy in ministry and affirming his character. Did you catch it at the beginning of verse 10? It says, you, however... He's saying, hey, Timothy, you know those proud, abusive, arrogant, unappeasable people? They won't get very far, Timothy, but remember that you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, in which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Just like in chapter one, and just like with my kids, Paul wants to affirm and remind Timothy again that what he's already doing is good. He's saying, remember, Timothy, all the time we spent together in ministry? Remember all you saw me do? Remember how that has shaped your own ministry, Timothy? Continue in that. All right, second thing. Second thing Paul's drawing 
Timothy's attention to, and this is Paul's focus. Did you notice in that big list that Paul gave of all the things that Timothy is following in, at the end of that section, he actually focuses in on his persecution. In fact, he spends the most time there. And and Timothy knew Paul really well. They had traveled around together and done ministry together for years, and there is no doubt in, in our minds, and I'm sure in Timothy's mind, that Paul had run the race of ministry really well and faithfully. It had been demonstrated time and time and time again. But in this moment, Paul wants to encourage Timothy not in his successes or accomplishments or in the fruit of his ministry. No, he actually wants to focus in on how Paul himself continued in the face of persecution and suffering And Paul's mentioned suffering actually quite a few times all throughout the book. I want to remind us us of a few of those. Back in 2 Timothy 1.8, Paul said, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. We've spent a lot of time in this passage in our mornings together. Nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. 2 Timothy 2.3 said, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then 2 Timothy 2, 8 and 9, he said, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, offspring of David as preached in my gospel for which I am suffering. Bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. All throughout the letter of 2 Timothy and here again in our passage this morning, Paul wants to focus Timothy's attention and ours towards suffering. And he specifically calls to mind some persecution that happened to Paul in three specific Greek cities near where Timothy grew up. Paul's visits to Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra are actually recorded in Acts 13 through 16. You can go read them later, but this morning I just want to briefly summarize for you what happened in each of these three cities. Just get us in Timothy's head as Paul's writing to him. Okay. So, you guys ready? City number one, Antioch. Paul's preaching the gospel there, and he faces persecution from the Jews who are in town, and they get jealous of how big the crowds are that are coming out to listen to him. And so, they start to become naysayers and and discount what Paul's saying, and so Paul moves on to city number two. City number two, in, in Iconium, much the same thing happens, but this time, instead of just being naysayers and discounting what he's saying, they actually make plans to stone Paul. But he he finds out about it in time and he's able to escape to city number three, Lystra. And this is really where everything comes to head in the story because he's preaching the gospel there, but the people from the previous two cities, they actually show up in Lystra and convince all the people there to carry out their plan to stone Paul. And they do it. They actually stone him to the point that they think that he's dead. And so they drag him out of the city and leave him in the dust. But the the crazy thing is is that, that Paul wasn't dead. In fact, he gets up the next day and travels 60 miles to another city, Derby, where he continues to preach the gospel. And that's a pretty impressive story, right? It gives us a good sense of, of who Paul was when he talks about his steadfastness and character. We're like, yeah, man, like this guy. 
But the even more nuts thing is that after a few weeks in Derby, he goes back. He goes back to those previous three cities and continues to establish the church there. He establishes elders. He encourages the young and new believers there. And it's around that time that Timothy actually starts to to follow Paul and and work with him. Friends, I, I don't know about you, but after I get stoned at some cities, I'm not going back. But yet, this is the character of Paul. And and what Paul wants Timothy to see, to see is this. Paul's seeking to encourage Timothy in gospel ministry, and he's saying, continue to remember, Timothy. Remember that when you're facing suffering and persecution, when you're facing loneliness, When you're facing false teachers and naysayers, then remember how I continued. Remember how my aim in life, my steadfastness and faith and love came into their sharpest clarity in the midst of my suffering. I don't know if you guys noticed it, but when we hear that story about Paul, all those descriptors about him really come into sharp focus. I don't even need to go into them individually you really get a sense for who the guy was, right? He's saying, Timothy, it wasn't when things were easy that my character was borne out, but when things were hard, like dozens of large stones smashing into my body hard. (laughs) Saying, Timothy, this, this is your moment. You may be facing persecution and false teachers and lovers of pleasure. You might be tempted to shrink back or be discouraged, but don't. Remember and continue, Timothy. This is where your character will come into its sharpest clarity. Fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. This is your moment. Friends, Paul wants to make it clear to Timothy. He's repeated it again and again throughout the letter. Share in suffering. And expect it. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, Paul says in verse 12. So expect it and remember to continue in the midst of it. All right, let's move on to the third thing. Third thing that Paul wants to draw Timothy's attention to, and it's the encouragement that Paul offers Timothy in verse 11. Yes, Paul has faced persecutions, ones that are likely much worse than you or I will ever suffer. And yet the Lord rescues him from them all. And it's here, friends, that I want us to think about Jesus. Because he suffered much worse persecutions than either Paul or Timothy. And sure, he suffered the physical persecution. He suffered the flogging, the brutal torture, the Roman crucifixion with with nails through his hands and feet. But more than that, Mark showed us on Sunday that That Jesus, fully one with God himself from eternity past, was forsaken by God the Father on the cross. Taking on himself instead God's wrath against your sin and mine. And he he was not rescued, friends. Nor spared one bit of the pain and suffering so that he could save you. You and I did nothing to deserve it. 
In fact, we were like those in verse 13. The evil people, the imposters, who will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But Jesus didn't leave us to go on from bad to worse, did he? Now, like it says in Romans 5, while we were still sinners, like Mark talked about yesterday in our sessions together, while we were still enemies of God, Christ died for us. Paul is encouraging Timothy here to follow him as he follows Christ. Jesus Christ, God himself, came all the way down here to earth to pour himself out for the gospel no matter the cost. And he perfectly continued in the face of persecution and suffering. And Jesus' character, more than anyone's, came into its sharpest clarity as he gave up everything came down from heaven to save sinners like us. Friends, that's what makes him worthy. That's why we're up here singing. Hallelujah. What a savior. But, but the interesting thing here is that, that the Bible does actually, it doesn't promise all rescue from earthly death. No, actually what Paul's saying here is that what the Bible does promise Christians is persecution. Paul's eventually killed for his faith shortly after, after writing this letter. And maybe God is calling you to go to a place like China or India or Iran or Pakistan where you could be thrown in jail or even killed for proclaiming the name of Christ. But friends, it's, it's in this in the face of death where the hope we have in Christ's saving sacrifice makes all the difference. Part and parcel with Paul's life and ministry, it's the gospel. Like Paul said in, in chapter two, verse eight, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. Even in the midst of persecution, even persecution unto death, Christ has rescued Paul, and Christ has rescued Timothy as well. Rescued him from God's wrath that would be justly poured out on him because of his sin. Throughout this letter, Paul's been calling Timothy, Timothy, run the race well. At the end, you'll receive a prize. We're spending all eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven. Dan's gonna talk more about that with us tonight. And so as Timothy looks to Paul and all the more to his Savior, Jesus Christ, he can remember to continue and follow these examples in the midst of suffering and persecution. Okay, before we move on to our second point, I want to show you one more thing that, that Paul's draw, drawing Timothy's attention to here, and it's, it's a surprising hope. Look back at verse 13. Right after Paul talks about expecting persecution, he says, well, evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Why does he go here with Timothy? Well, well, if you remember Mike's talk on Tuesday night, this should actually sound pretty familiar. Turn back a page, look at chapter three, verse nine. Paul speaks of the counterfeit Christians we find there, says, but they will not get very far. In fact, their folly will be plain to all. Turn back another page, chapter two, verse 20, 
where Ben showed us on Tuesday morning that in a great house, they're not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honorable use, some for dishonorable, and then he showed us the verse right before that. God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. You see the pattern. Paul keeps coming back to God's judgment and his sovereign election of those who are his. Specifically in our passage, he's both warning Timothy, but also giving him hope as well. He's warning him that the people persecuting him in the church, the the false teachers and the counterfeit Christians that he'll find living in the last days, they're not going to get any better or less frustrating or less discouraging. They're actually going to go on from bad to worse. As Mike said on Tuesday night, Timothy needs to continue to adjust his expectations to this reality. But he can also... Continue to have hope. And it's kind of a surprising hope, but when you think about it, it actually makes sense. It would actually be comforting to Timothy to know what God has in mind for these people. Timothy doesn't face persecution alone with no hope of justice. He doesn't fight this battle against false teachers alone. No, he can take heart. And knowing that there is a day coming when all wrongs will be made right. And when Christ will return not as a meek lamb, but as a conquering king to judge the world. Timothy can be emboldened to press on and press into ministry knowing that God knows those who are his. And that evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. All right, as we think about these four things that, that Paul's pointed out to Timothy, I've got, got two questions I'd like you to consider in terms of application in this section. And here they are. You can write them in. First is, who do you follow? And the second one we'll talk about is, who is following you? Who do you follow and who is following you? First, who do you follow? Friends, do you spend more time and effort following online personalities on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube than you do following Jesus? Do the people you're following on these platforms or surrounding yourself with in real life, do they have the kind of rock-solid, stalwart character that Paul has? Are they going to help you or hinder you in terms of continuing in steadfastness in the face of suffering persecution that this passage is promising you'll face. Guys, this one hits close to home for me. It's very easy for me to spend hours watching YouTube videos while I struggle to spend minutes in my Bible each day. Maybe it's the same for you. Second application question is this. Who's following you? Who's following you? What would those around you say about your teaching, about your conduct, about your aim in life. If someone were to be following you, what would they be following? And again, I think about this all the time, especially with my kids. I'll hear my son be unkind to his sister, or I'll see them leave a mess that should have been cleaned up. And I'm regularly convicted that that they didn't learn this on their own. No, they learned it through my conduct and the way I was living my life. 
Consider how, how others around you, maybe students you're investing in on campus, maybe your own family, your parents or siblings, or even perhaps one day your, your future children. Consider how they are in one way or another following you. They're seeing the way that you are conducting yourself and, and that as they view that, that actually affects your ministry with them. And it, it could also affect their ability to press in and press on in the face of persecution and suffering. Friends, just like Timothy, this is your moment. Paul says that, that all who seek to live a godly life, they'll be persecuted. And that's when, friends, your character and mine will come into its sharpest clarity. It will truly show what we're made of. So let's think critically and intentionally about who we're following and how we can be spurring on others who may be following us. For those of you here this week who do not yet have faith in Jesus Christ, I just wanna thank you again for spending the week with us in God's word. It's a big deal. But I also wanna warn you that if you are not in Christ, you are being deceived and will go on from bad to worse. Friends, don't be deceived. You don't just need a little knowledge and a little church attendance or Christian conference attendance. No, you're, you're dead in your sin and you need Jesus to raise you to life. Repent and believe in the gospel. All right, let's move on to our second and last point, a path to continue. Path to continue. How is Timothy, how is he going to be equipped for all this suffering? Paul's gonna be gone soon Trusted friends and ministry partners are walking away from the faith. What's going to happen? Well, let's look at, look at verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul begins this section much in the same way he did our previous one. He wants to encourage Timothy that what he's already doing is good. He's already headed in the right direction. He urges him to continue. And again, to remember what he's learned and who he's learned it from. We know from earlier in chapter one that both Timothy's mother and grandmother were both Christians. And, and they raised Timothy up in the scriptures. And of course, Paul continued that training as, as he started with Timothy in ministry. And Paul again here is calling Timothy's mind back to those faithful friends and family members and mentors who have entrusted the scriptures to him. They were trustworthy. And we see in verse 15 that they began this work all the way back in his childhood. And when, and when Paul says sacred writings here, friends, he's actually referring just to the Old Testament scriptures. The New Testament hadn't dropped yet at this time and in human history. And, and so if you, if you have time, you can go back and even read some of those stories from Acts 13 through 16. You'll see Paul, he actually uses the whole Old Testament, all the way back from Genesis up through King David, all the way up to Jesus, to make the believers in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Friends, the Old Testament and the New, it's one big story that leads to Jesus. 
The whole Bible calls us and draws us to the feet of Jesus at the cross. You could also even check out the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Follow the Old Testament references there back and just see. Get a taste for how God has been working out his plan of redemption from the beginning of your Bible all the way to the end. By way of brief application here, friends, don't leave the Old Testament out of your time with the Lord. In it is deep truths that can make us and others wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul then tells Timothy that that all scripture, well, it's breathed out by God himself. It's breathed out by God himself. Look back at, at verse 16. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable. For what? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Notice the implication of what Paul's saying to Timothy here. Saying, Timothy, you don't need to wait for a voice from God or a sign or a miracle to make you wise for salvation. No, God has given you his word in the Bible. And it's not just the musings of a bunch of random God worshipers throughout history. No, he breathed it out himself. Paul also tells Timothy that, the, that because these words are God's true and perfect words, they're actually profitable, useful, and essential to do God's work. Timothy can teach from them. He can reprove and correct falsehood, sin, and wrongdoing from them. And he can be trained in how to be righteous through them. And he can use them to train others in righteousness as well. Through these things, Paul says in verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Back when I was a student at, at Kutztown University, I can remember my DM staff worker using God's word with me in these ways regularly. And, and I remember I was, later in my time in college, I was on the leadership team, and I was busying myself with the good works of ministry. I would help set up for a large group, lead the worship team, host people at my apartment, do discipleship, lead Bible study, you name it. Maybe some of you had that kind of schedule this semester. I was doing it. I was doing the good works. And then one day in my discipleship meeting with my staff worker, he sat me down and he opened up his Bible and he flipped to to Revelation 2 He spun it around and slid it towards me and asked me to read. This is what I read. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently. You're bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. But this I have against you. That you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Guys, I was cut to the core. My staff worker used these verses to to teach and correct me 
and to equip me for those good works that God had called me to. He showed me through God's breathed out words that I was missing the love that Paul talked about earlier in this passage. Love for the people I was ministering to. But more importantly, love for my Savior who had poured out everything to save me. It's God's word, friends, that equips Timothy and us for every single good work. Guys, think about that. There's not a single good thing that God wants you to do on this earth that his word could not completely equip you for. In a recent study done by Google, they estimate that almost 130 million books have been written, not printed, but written. They wouldn't even all fit in this room. It would just be stacked up to the sky. Friends, all you need is this one to be completely equipped for every good work. Books can be helpful. They can help us to to press into a particular topic. But friends, recognize that it's just this one. It's just God's words that at the end of the day matter to equip you for the good works that God has called you to on this earth. And so Paul is saying to Timothy here, Timothy, continue in this. Continue in these holy, breathed out words. that can not only make you wise for salvation, which is already pretty great, but they can also completely equip you for every good work. And why does Timothy need to know this? Let's back up. Remember, friends, that Timothy is discouraged and fearful They're false teachers and trusted ministry partners walking away from the faith. And just like in chapter one, Paul wants to remind Timothy, you are not alone. Timothy, not only can you rest on the judgment of Christ, you have the scriptures. They've been breathed out by God. And when you feel tempted to shrink back, remember Timothy to continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Continue on the path that you're already on. Friends, as we gather this morning or as you maybe return home tomorrow, you may be fearful. You may be discouraged in life or in ministry. Recognize that God, your heavenly father, the king of the universe, has lovingly given you everything you need to finish the race of ministry through his word. Especially, as you face persecution and suffering. All right, let's consider as we close how this passage this morning encourages us and equips us in gospel ministry. If you're a Christian here this morning, I've got four applications for you. Here they are. You can write them down and then I'll unpack each one briefly. First is gonna be continue in what you have learned. Continue in what you have learned. Second is going to be not just for yourself. Third is going to be know the word to use it. And then the fourth one will be get God's words off the page and into your mind. Off the page and into your mind. All right, first, friends, if you grew up with a spiritual heritage where you were taught the Bible from a young age, then brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you to continue in what you have learned. Friends, do not give up the breathed out words of God in exchange for the cheap pleasures of this world. No, lean into them, seek them out all the more. 
And for all of you who have salvation in Christ, whether you just started reading the Bible this year or you've been reading it for your whole life, hold fast and run hard after God's word. Continue in it. Continue in it. Second, God gave you his word not just for yourself, but to use it. Remember the passage we just read. God gave us his words not just to be wise for salvation ourselves, but to teach others. To correct one another and to remind one another of what is true and how to live rightly. If you see a friend straying from what the Bible calls us to them this summer, call them up and call them out. Show them God's words and how he calls each of us to live. Encourage one another to continue in what you've learned this year in God's word or here at Focus. Friends, in this book is all you need to be completely equipped for every good work. And friends, in order to use the scriptures, we, we have to know them. That's your third application. We gotta know the scriptures to use them. Dig into the scriptures this summer, friends. All of us this year, whether in our Bible studies on campus or in our fellowship meetings or here at Focus in one of our tracks, we've all been taught how to study God's words, how to interpret and apply them properly. So don't let your Bible collect us this summer. If you need a physical copy of the scriptures, we got a whole table of them in the back. They are free to take Please take one home with you. And then use it. Use it to teach a sibling or a friend from high school or a coworker or even a parent. Step out in faith like Paul. Press on no matter the obstacles you encounter and endure the suffering and persecution that you may face as you do. Friends, you may feel inadequate in your ministry. And like, as I say, Go teach a, a parent or a sibling. That, that, that sounds scary. Friends, take heart. God's word is more than adequate to do his work. As you get into conversations this summer, use God's words, not yours, to make your friends and family, coworkers and neighbors, wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Fourth, Get God's words off the page and into your mind. Off the page and into your mind. Memorize scripture so that you can work towards getting God's words locked in your brain, ready to use them for the good works that God has prepared you for this summer and the rest of your life. Perhaps you could go to my friend Megan Williams' awesome breakout on memorizing scripture later this morning. Maybe by the time the fall hits, you could even have the entire book of 2 Timothy committed to memory. We've already given you a head start during our earlier bird worship times this morning, this week. And and if you're here this morning and you aren't a Christian, I just have one final application for you. Friends, please continue exploring God's word with us. Whether that be this week, this summer, or back on campus in the fall. In it is everything you need to become wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Friends, I wanna give you a moment to to process the things that we've talked about this morning. Maybe even circle an application on your outline that that you really wanna take to heart. 
and talk about with someone later today about how you could do that in your life. So let me give you a moment and then I'll pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son to come to earth and pour himself out for the gospel no matter the cost. And that in that, his, his character was more than borne out. God, we thank you for the encouragement we received from Paul this morning as he encouraged Timothy. God, to continue in, in what he has learned. And I pray that my friends here would continue in what they have learned. This week, this year, if they're graduating the, the past number of years, God, would you help them to continue to run the race of ministry faithfully? That as they've been called to entrust the gospel to others, God, that you would help them to, to take, out that, take up that torch and, and to run the race with endurance. that you would help them to guard the good deposit that's been entrusted to them. And that you would help them in, in times of discouragement or struggle to lean on your breathed out words. The words that you've given us to completely equip us for every good work. God, bless us now as we, as we enter into the rest of the day. God, keep us awake and alert to engage with, with even more things that we can apply this summer and in the rest of our lives. We pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.